Welcome back to the Para Sports Nutrition Podcast. My name is Liz Broad and I'm an accredited sports dietitian. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you Steve Empt. Steve is a wheelchair curler, two-time Paralympian, and he's also the author of a book called You Decide. So welcome to the podcast, Steve. No, thank you for having me, Liz. It's a pleasure to be on with you today. Well, I'm really interested to hear about your journey because I believe it's it's been quite an interesting one. So, Steve, start off with telling us a little bit about your background, your impairment, and how you got into curling. Yes, it is quite interesting. I like it's been a long journey. I've been, you know, fortunate these last nine years now to be representing Team USA and traveling the world and competing in the sport of curling and all over the, on the grandest of stages, two-time Paralympian, like I said, multiple world championships, and been a bit, been a fantastic journey. But leading up to that, you know, growing up, I was, I was an athlete. I'm, I'm a jock. I mean, every, everything I, mm-hmm. everything I did as a kid I was always outside. I was on the courts. I was on the fields. My parents coached a lot. I had older siblings. So I was always out there with older kids and just, having fun and getting beat up on the, and the, during the games and by older people and, you know, learning and learning yeah. and having fun and, and being that little brother, that pesky little brother, you know, that we all mm-hmm. know about, you know, mm-hmm. like, can I come along? Can I come along? So I tagged along everywhere, played every sport imaginable. There wasn't one that I didn't like, even to this day, yeah. I'm still a, a sports junkie, you know, all the way through high school, I was very successful. I had opportunities in college. I played so- college soccer and college basketball. So, you know, that kept on going all the way through college. When I got done with college, you know, I graduated college and I was out in the real world, you know, making making money and making learning, you know, and earning and trying to, you know, I was with a girlfriend at the time that we were talking about weddings and all that. And, you know, life was good. <laughs> but unfortunately, at the age of 25, I made a terrible decision to drink and drive one night. We went out, myself and a couple of my buddies went out to a, a local pub and, and we started drinking and got carried away and I and I attempted to drive home and I didn't make it. And the the crash mm-hmm. was about two o'clock in the morning when I just passed out behind the wheel of my truck and I drove off the road and cartwheeled and rolled, flipped down the road about seventy-five yards. It was a it was a horrific crash. I was found laying wow. next to my truck. I didn't have my seatbelt on, so I was found laying next to my truck, which meant I rolled with it the entire way. So yep. two o'clock in the morning. I'm laying unconscious on the side of the road. And fortunately, a police officer just happened to be driving the other way on the highway when, you know, he turned around and saw the truck in the ditch. He got there. He got on the radio. He called the, you know, hospital. Hospital sent a Lifestar helicopter. They came. They got me. They scooped me up. They tended to me. They brought me back to the hospital. And, and that night, I had a couple surgeries. The injuries were, were many. Mm-hmm. Broke my back in three places. I broke the majority of my ribs. I had a head injury. I blew out both my knees. I ruptured my spleen. Mm. Spleen is the organ inside of your your body that helps fight off infection. I ruptured that, so they had to take it out. So I get sick rather easily now. And most importantly, I always severed my spinal cord. And because of that, I am now paralyzed for the the rest of my life, basically. Uh, I haven't given up hope or faith or anything. Someday, something might come along, you know, some breakthrough through science to help out people with spinal cord injuries. But... For me, it's been 27 years, so probably for the rest of my life, I'm going to be in a wheelchair. And I was in a coma for two days and 
dealing with the therapy, you know, months and months of rehab. And it was a, it was a, it was kind of a rude awakening to be honest with you, Liz, because, you know, I was living, I was living a dream at 25. I had everything going for me being a successful athlete and popular person. I'm a life at a party. I'm a, I'm a public speaker. So, you know, I go into a room and I suck the air out of it and I love being with people. (laughs) And, you know, know, like I said, I had a great girlfriend at the time. We're talking about moving in and house and dog and picket fence. And, (laughs) and then I made a terrible decision. So, you know, I woke up from my coma and learned that I was paralyzed and that I was never going to walk again. Obviously a huge jolt to the human brain and the, anything mm-hmm. human about it. So yeah. laying in bed and recovering and going through rehab and counseling and therapy and doctors and nurses and therapists was just an incredible, incredible experience. I'm, I'm fortunate to have a great people, great group of people around me, a support system that believed in me. I am very hard headed. <laughs> I am competitive. Like not many people <laughs> Not many people I know. And, you know, if my wife were here right now, she yep. would absolutely attest to that. So that helped me out getting through this traumatic part of my life. Mm-hmm. I was tested. And the sports growing up, the, the coaching, the teamwork, the, the family, the core, my good friends. I mean, there were so many things went into getting me through that. So went on to that. Yeah. And then I went back and went back to college and got my, my teaching degree. So... For 20 years after my accident, I taught middle school math, seventh grade and eighth grade. I absolutely loved uh-huh. it. Great kids, mm-hmm. beautiful times. And at the same time, I was coaching the high school basketball team. So, you know, everything was mm-hmm. everything was good. I was set in my career again. And I thought my life was was all set and, and, and good for the future. And all of a sudden, about nine years ago now, I was introduced to the sport of curling. And I had no idea what it was before. And people always ask me, you know, how, how do you get into this sport? Well, for me, I got stalked into it, Liz. I was minding my own business. I, I literally got stalked into it. I was minding my own business one day in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, rolling around on a beautiful yep. summer day. And I was just hanging out, getting something to eat. And this gentleman comes around the corner and he walks up to me. He's like, you know, excuse me, are you local? And I said, no, I'm, I'm from Connecticut. I'm about two and a half hours away by car. You know, why did you ask me that? And I'm kind of scared at the time. Like, <laughs> is, is this the Cape Cod Mafia? You know, like, what's what's going on? I mean, who are you? <laughs> Finally, he says, you know what? I, I, I saw you. I saw you pushing up the hill back on the road back there. And mm-hmm. we, I trained with the Paralympic curling team here on the Cape. And with your build, I can make you into an Olympian in a year. To which mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck is curling? And where do I sign up? You know, I heard Olympics, I heard sports. Let's go. Let's do. Yep. So where do I sign yep. up? Uh, that man was Tony Tony Colaccio, who is an incredible human mm-hmm. being, incredible individual. He introduced me to the sport. I I got stalked into this sport. Liz, I was minding my own business. I got stalked into it. I'm so <laughs> glad and thankful that he stalked me that day. But you know, you what you, you you hear stories about you know why things happen and things happen for a reason and all that stuff. He just happened to be driving down the road when he saw me pushing down that up the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's what started all this. And he <laughs> gave me the opportunity to learn the sport and train and, and be on a team. And like I said, when I started, travel the world and represent Team USA all over on the grandest of stages. So 
I'm very thankful that Tony stalked me that day. He, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He had a, a very quick and ugly fight with cancer. Mm -hmm. So he's no longer with us. And, he, I, you know, I think about him every time I go on the ice. And it's yeah. so grateful that he stalked me. And so grateful that he gave me the chance to, to, to participate and be a member of this team. And right now, a two-time Paralympian, I made the team again. So I'm working on a, the third time is going to be in Italy in 2026. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go out there and take care of business and bring home a medal. Nice. Fired I up. Love the, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot of stalking that goes on in, in recruitment of, of Paralympic athletes. I've heard the previous Kathy Sellers, who used to be the director of track and field, she she recount a few stories of walking through you know, a, a, a shopping centre of some sort and spotting someone who was had some degree of impairment, you know, might have been short stature or, or whatever and kind of stalking them and walking up to them. I've got to admit, I've, I've done it once myself. I've, I've sort of part, partly stalked a visually impaired person who was a subject in a course that I was, for the exam of a course that I was doing, and I sort of went... Um, you ever thought about being in the Paralympics? <laughs> There's lots of yeah. stuff that you could be involved in. <laughs> so it was so it was a successful stalking then. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, he was interested for sure, definitely. Yeah. So I gave him some contacts and <laughs> let him go. That's all you can do. Uh, you know, that's that's, you can that's do. important. Yeah. That, it's important that we do that, and I learned that from Tony. And I, and I do it now every time I see somebody with a disability, uh, an impairment, physical or, you know, maybe even mental, whatever it might be. I mean, any, you know, just to give give everybody an opportunity to participate. And that's what Tony did for me. Yeah. So I'm just paying it forward. And yeah, so I'm, I'm everywhere. And majority of the time, people are nice about it. But unfortunately, every yeah. once in a while, you get somebody that's, you know, maybe just having a bad day or a week or whatever. And yeah. like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. I mean, so keep on stalking. That's my, keep on stalking. Yeah, keep fair enough. So your yep. impairment is what what level of impairment are you at? Um, I am T nine T ten paraplegia. Mm -hmm. Okay, and complete with with curling. Do you get classified in in you know? Do you have to go through a classification process? We do. Yes, before we compete on any world level competition yes we need to get classified i got classified on, in finland i was going over one of my world championships i went over there to compete and classified and, and it's it's a simple you know the coaches tell you before going into the room with the doctor if if they whack in the leg you don't feel it <laughs> so um you know you don't try to play it, yeah <laughs> so i don't know if i was supposed to say that but no it was it was it's <laughs> Yeah, it's a simple process. You know, for me, I'm a complete paraplegic, so it was very easy. You know, the the the, the banging on the reflexes and the knees and nothing happens. And can you do this? Can you do that? So it was a simple process. It's unlike other sports, though. Some some of the other sports out there have, you know, like different levels of classification. So they have points, and I believe that's like you know basketball. You can only have so, so many points on a court at a time. We don't have that in yeah. curling. It's either a yes or a no, and then you're a go or no go. So it's it's a pretty simple process. Yeah. And did you try any other sports 
you know, when you when you heard about curling and and did you did you think about any other Paralympic sports that you might be interested in, or it was try curling and then you were hooked? I had no idea for the 17 years after my accident. I had no idea what the Paralympics were, nice. and that's and that's no fault. Yeah, yeah. And that's unfortunate, but I mean, again, that's no, that's no fault on my rehab hospital. I mean, I'm sure they told me that I was probably not in the right frame of mind to listen to them at the time, but I had no idea for 17 years what the Paralympics were. And, and I, and I dabbled in some sports. I, you know, I tried tennis. I never played basketball though. Basketball was my main sport growing up and I never played wheelchair Mm. basketball. And always, people always ask me that when I speak and and that's, you know, why, why not basketball? And I just never got into it. You know, I just never was interested in it. So I tried tennis. I did some road racing. I did a couple marathons. That's about it. And, mm. but I was, you know, I was, I was busy at the time. I wasn't looking at that time of my life mm. for something. Yeah, you were working it, and yeah, life was life right. moving ahead. Yep. Yeah, life was moving. I was working. I was coaching basketball. So I was always around the sport, but I wasn't mm. looking for something. And all of a sudden, curling came and found me and mm. turned my life around absolutely turned Mm. my life around so it's you know it's it's important now that you know we put on clinics all around the country a veteran also so we do stuff for the va it's important to let people know that this wonderful sport is out there because it's a lifetime sport it's something it's not like basketball or track and field where you're gonna you're gonna get torn up and eventually your health is gonna go down your shoulders whatnot i mean you can curl i'm 52 years old and i plan on curling for you know, another 10, 15 years, as long as my wife lets oh. me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sure she's not pushing you out the house? Oh, wait, whoa, whoa. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. It's all good. As long as she pushes me out the I'm good. Well, we had Rusty on a, a podcast a few podcasts ago, and so he's explained to us what curling is all about. So we we've kind of... Anyone who wants to know what curling is all about, please listen to that podcast. But what does a typical training week look like for you? In season, I mean, first of all, our season runs probably about 10 and a half months out of the year. So we're we're pretty on the go a lot. The off season is recouping, resting, you know, watching game films, stuff like that. But when we're in season like we are right now, a typical week for me is being on the ice anywhere from four to five days out of the week, obviously throwing stones, honing my game, honing my craft strategy, all those good things that come with the sport. And then the other days recovering and I'm in the weight room again, five or six days out of the week, always every day there's something going on with curling, whether it's on the ice or off the ice, it's mental imagery, it's meditation, all those Mm -hmm. good things. So I try to I try to get on as much as possible, and it's and it's difficult because some some of my teammates are have full time jobs, and I don't know how they do it because I tried doing it when I was teaching, and it was it was nearly impossible. So I retired from teaching. So my my gig now is that I'm a public speaker, but I kind of booked that around my trainings and my trips. So mm-hmm. typical week on the ice, four to five days out of the week in the weight room, four or five days out of the week. Mm-hmm. Every day doing something curling relating, whether it's watching film or going through mental imagery in my living room or actually on yep. the ice throwing stones. Yep. Yep. And how how long would you spend on the ice if you you know if, we, if you were down at the ice? Typically, typically about two hours. 
Yep. When I when yep. I when I first started, I was six, seven, eight hours. I mean, I was a junkie. I was mm-hmm. out there going crazy on the ice. <laughs> um, but you know, because because curling is a sport. It's a it's muscle memory. So you have to build up your skills to the point where you just you know hone them after a while. So yep. my first couple of years, I was just beating myself up, driving everywhere and curling as much as possible. Now I'm to the point where I can just go to the club for an hour and a half, two hours and work on a couple small things and just tweak a few things and, and keep my skills at that level. So about two hours. Yep. And do different rinks behave differently when it comes to how you put the stone down? Like, or does, is ice ice and, and it all behaves the same? It is different everywhere you go in the country, in your town, every club you go to, the ice is different. And that's one of the incredible things that makes it so cha- challenging. And I love being a part of it is that you, you can't, you can never master this game. It's like playing mm-hmm. golf. I kind of relate it to golf. You know, you go out there and play 18 holes of golf. You can't get 18 holes in one. So yeah, you can never master this game. And it's always changing, even within a game. I mean, if, even within those two hours that I'm on the ice, the ice changes. It might speed up. It might slow mm-hmm. down. The bend of the stone, the curl of the stone might be a little bit more than it was an hour ago. So it changes from stone to stone. And everywhere you go, it's completely different. And it's a blast so to try to figure out. To, Sometimes it's... You You almost have to no, be an expert in, in ice. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 100%. Yep. And I have... I pulled my hair out many a time. So now I just shave it. My head, I'm bald. Because because <laughs> it's it it is frustrating at times. Like I just threw this exact same shot, and I'm going to throw the exact same shot again, and it goes an extra five feet or doesn't curl, or mm-hmm. and it's like, are you kidding me? And then you try to yell at the stones, and you got to remember they're granite and they don't have ears, so it's, <laughs> it's a good time. And have you had to work on your on nutrition, like as an athlete? being young did you learn a lot about nutrition for being an athlete and and how have you then had to implement that for curling I didn't really pay attention when I was younger and I I played major college basketball soccer you know I never you know when I was in high school in the teen years I never paid it I was eating pizza and soda and all Mm. that garbage all the time I still Mm. love pizza I I probably shouldn't (laughs) say that but but, you know, through, through college, they start, you know, teaching you about nutrition. I didn't listen. I was college. I was doing mm-hmm. stupid things and eating and staying up late. And it caught up to me. But now, being a Paralympian and all the resources we have through the U.S. Olympic Paralympic Committee and USA Curling, it's, it's difficult to not eat correctly in the right way and the right foods because we have so many resources. And it's just it's incredible. And it's made a huge difference in my diet it's made a huge difference in how i feel about myself it's made a huge difference in how i perform uh, i know yeah. like just for example one thing i cannot eat between games a big meal uh, no matter whether i have two hours or 20 minutes or whatever i can't go out there and eat a cheeseburger and whatever it is because i will perform awfully awfully bad the next game so hmm. i've learned throughout probably the last two or three years or so you know what to eat and when to eat it, you know, with the help of coaches and, and trainers and nutritionists and all that. So I'm lucky in that part. What would a typical day look like for you food-wise if you started with first thing in the morning? 
typically for me, I start with egg white omelet with some turkey bacon, throw some vegetables in there, maybe one piece of toast. We'll see what else I put in there. A little, little bit of butter, not a lot, a little bit mm-hmm. of fat, but mostly protein. Try to get some potatoes, some carbs in there. And then about two, three hours later, I try to eat every, every two and a half to three hours. So mm-hmm. about two and a half, three hours later, I'll have some yogurt with some berries. Granola is big. And then lunch mm-hmm. for me is usually a shake, a protein yeah. shake with, you know, again, a bunch of berries, frozen berries, maybe a, a tablespoon of peanut butter in there, a little dash of honey to sweeten it up. Mm-hmm. Apple cider vinegar I love for some reason. I don't know why. From what I hear, it's good for you. So I throw a little bit of that in there and mix that all mm-hmm. up. Again, eat two, three o'clock again in the afternoon. Maybe it's a bagel with some peanut butter or something like that to get me through the afternoon. And then our dinners are pretty good. We try to eat dinner around five or six o'clock at night, mm-hmm. not too late. And that's a good, again, chicken, steak, fish. Those are pretty much the three staples in our in our household with, with a lot of greens, a lot of vegetables on a plate, a little bit of starchy, a little bit of potatoes, maybe, whatever it might be. And then I finish the day up around nine o'clock, about an hour before to go, I go to bed with a a glass of milk or some mm-hmm. some nuts of some kind and or another cup of yogurt with some granola mm-hmm. just to get me through the night. That's that's a complete day for me. And I, I wake up the next day feeling great. I sleep great because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, all throughout the day, I'm fueled and, and ready to go. Cool. And what about on the ice itself? If you're on the ice for a couple of hours or if you're playing a game, do you, what do you usually have with you? I usually, first of all, water is incredibly, incredibly important. I, again, I've made played major college basketball and I've been on a basketball court for two hours running up and down and at full tilt and never drinking anything. And I've been on the ice for two hours and not drinking anything. And I'm twice as sick when I get off the ice as I was on a court. Mm-hmm. It's incredible what the ice, how quickly it dehydrates you if you are not hydrating. So I am certainly bringing water bottles with me when I go on the ice and I drink every chance I get, which is, that's Mm -hmm. huge because curling is a thinking sport and your brain is just stapping everything out of you if you're not drinking. So that's very important. And then, like I said, I don't like to eat big when I'm curling. So it's a granola bar. It's a protein bar. Mm -hmm. It's a protein ball. It's maybe some mixed nuts. That's, that's about it. My, my Mm go-to is a protein bar. When we are competing, we have a halftime, basically about an yeah. hour into the game. There's a five-minute break where we can sit and talk with the coaches. And my go-to, my go-to right there is, a, is a definitely a protein bar. That gets me through the rest of the, the second half and for any overtime or anything like that for the next hour and a half. So, mm-hmm. Okay. And have you had any major nutrition challenges? Like when you had your accident, you said you there were a lot of things that you, you hurt and, and damaged. Did, were there any gut-related issues that you had, or have you ever had any big nutrition challenges along the way? I have. I, I found out real quick, unfortunately, the hard way, that there were some foods that my body did not agree with anymore. For example, if I eat pizza, uh, even to this day, I I love, I love, I love pizza, Liz. I love pizza so much. <laughs> but I, I learned, you know, I, I learned quickly after my accident that, you know, my body changed a little bit. I get punished right away when I eat it within five, 10, 15 minutes after eating pizza, I feel bloated and, and mm. almost, almost sick to my stomach. So 
Certain foods like that, I've learned that I can't touch. You know, when when we travel overseas, it's it's difficult. We were just in Estonia last week, and mm-hmm. um, the food fo- food looked amazing and all that. But I I need to be careful. I'm not a I'm a I'm a creature of habit, so I know that bread works fine for me. Yeah. I I know that I can't try the local chicken or whatever it is because I don't I don't want to. You know, have it run through me, have an accident, especially on the ice or the mm-hmm. plane. I mean, we had a 10-hour plane ride. And yeah. uh, th- th- those things are difficult for us. So I need to be careful what I eat. And that's – so I bring a lot of my own food. I bring uh-huh. a lot of, again, protein bars, granola bars, stuff that's easily made in our hotel room or whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I guess, you know, did you have to make – any major changes to your total energy intake and the way you approached eating after your accident? Yes. I needed to be careful real quick because I was not, I am not as active as I was before. Hmm. And I realized quickly that if I ate like I did before my accident, I would be pouring on the pounds and not feeling well, I mean, I'm an active person mm-hmm. now, and like I said, I'm in the gym a lot. I work out a lot. Yep. I'm always out doing stuff, so it's important to me that I put the right foods into my body. And I learned real quickly, right mm. after my accident, that if I continued to eat and drink, you know, alcohol was one thing that I have completely not shut out, but cut down on a lot because mm-hmm. it didn't do my body well after my accident. So, yeah, there was definitely some changes that need to be made, and I and I made them and. And, you know, life, life is beautiful right now. I, I feel great every day. I, I eat, I eat, I think pretty well. I drink a lot mm-hmm. of water. I get plenty of sleep and I wake up every day ready to take on the world. Let's do it. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love your enthusiasm. And, yeah. and as a, as a speaker, like now you're a professional speaker and mm-hmm. you also authored a book called You Decide. Yep. What, what's the book about? What's the, I guess, the principles of the book? The principle, it, the book is half memoirs, my life, mm-hmm. a couple of things I've shared with you today. Yep. You know, what I've been through in my life and overcome and the, the trials and tribulations, the successes, the failures, all that stuff. But then the second half of it is a self-help book. It's a six-step action plan. Mm-hmm. When I speak, when I talk about my book, when I speak to corporations, schools, whatever it might be, my my goal is to empower my audience to look at themselves as the their own hero. Yeah. You know, the hero of their own lives. Because so many people are looking outside and don't realize that the human brain, the body, the heart, the soul of somebody and the incredible things that we can do as human beings that we do. You know, I yeah, I when I was going through my accident and and going through all the tough times. The doctors, the nurses, my family, the therapists were all incredible, incredible people. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it was me. I yeah. had to get through it, and I had to get on with my life. And so many yeah. people nowadays, unfortunately, unfortunately with this whole COVID situation that we had, a lot of people are stuck in their own ways right now. And they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't know, they don't realize, they don't think, they don't remember that, hey, I've done some incredible things in my life. I've also yeah. messed up. A lot in my mm-hmm. life, so you know. So that's what <laughs> but my, if you that's, don't, me- that's what my. But if you don't, if you don't mess up, you don't learn, do you? Correct, absolutely, and that's one of the major things in life, in sport, in my book. There's winning and there's learning. There is no losing. Mm-hmm. 
And that's mm-hmm. one of the major things. One of the major things I talk about in my book, one of the major things I talk in front of my audiences is we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. I mean, I use myself as an example, my accident. I use uh, our performance as our team in Pyeongchang in 2018 in the Paralympic Games. We came in dead last, Liz. We were 2-9. Mm-hmm. and nine. We won two games. We were 12th out of 12. We were the worst yep. in the world. But now, here we are, recent P- uh, Beijing Games, we ended up in fifth. We ended up in mm-hmm. the fourth before that. We won a gold medal and a world championship. So we're we're learning. We're learning. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my book. That's my spiel to my audience, and I just try to empower people to look at yourselves as a hero of your own lives. Awesome. So, Steve, what recommendations would you have for other potential curling athletes, or even potential Paralympic athletes? What recommendations would you have for them apart from if someone stalks you, don't be afraid? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know if I wasn't. Af- I was definitely afraid, but you know, go with it. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I think it's just, you know, to any any person, a person with or without a disability, an impairment, whatever, but specifically anybody that's going through a life change like I did or mm-hmm. or whether you're born with it or not, just get out, get out and do stuff. Get out. There are so many sports out there. There's so many. And not everybody's going to be a Paralympian. Not everybody mm-hmm. wants to be a Paralympian. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wired completely different. I know that. I'm crazy sometimes. I'm a nut. Uh, so... <laughs> It is diff- it is difficult to be a Paralympian, but yeah. it's also very rewarding and incredible. I guess my 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 piece of advice would to set your goals high, put it in your heart, put it in your brain, set your goals high, have a process, have a plan, and then nothing happens without planning. And that includes diet, that includes hydration, that includes sleep, that includes practice, finances. All there's so many things that go into being a high level athlete. And a mm-hmm. successful, and now for me, a two-time Paralympian. That you know, just you got to plan ahead, and you got to be ready for it. And and yeah. and life is gonna, life is gonna throw you some curveballs sometimes. But if you're ready for it, you're gonna knock them out of the park. Yeah. So, set your goals high, go for it with the right plan in place and the right mindset. Absolutely, anything can be achieved. Awesome. And what about any coaches or practitioners, whether that's sports psychologists, sports medicine? nutrition any recommendations that you might have for them for working with para athletes go out and take advantage of all those that you listed every one of them mm-hmm. it has changed my life my sports psychologist now is incredible our team he's our team sports psychologist he gives us stuff all the time that we can work on on our own and then come together as a team team dynamics incredible the nutrition piece, like I said, is fantastic. The medical staff is fantastic. The massage therapists, mm-hmm. the, you know, every take advantage of everything. And if you don't know anybody in those roles or you don't have access to them, ask, look around because it's, it's, it's important. It's important to take care of your body. It's important. You know, you're not just going to go out there and, and perform. You need to recover. You need mm. to, and recovery is hydration, sleep, eating well, all those things. Eat massage, for psychologists, therapists, everything. Yeah. Mental health is huge. Mm-hmm. And I can't speak too much to that, but, you know, that's been a, a lot on USOPC's mind lately. So get mm-hmm. out there and, and take advantage of any services that, that are out there for you. If you don't know, look, ask questions, find people that do these things, and, and definitely be a well-rounded athlete 
Just don't mm-hmm. go out there and be a basketball player. Don't be a, a, a rower or a skier or whatever. Be an athlete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people are athletic, but they're not athletes. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot to be yep. an athlete. Yep. It's incredible. It's hard work, but it's also incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some athletes just think that if they get to training and finish that, that's their job done. But it's it's a much bigger process than just that, isn't it? It's, it, I mean, that, what you just said is about one-tenth of the process. Absolutely. Mm. It's yep. incredible. It's, there's a lot more to it than just going out there and, and putting a ball through the hoop or in the goal or doing that backflip or whatever it is. <laughs> there's a lot yep. to it. So, yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, Steve, we've picked your brain a fair bit and and it's great to hear your story and, and your journey and, you know, well done to you in terms of all the work that you're putting into paying it forward and you know, continuing to stalk people but we can't <laughs> and I think you've actually already answered this question because I always like to finish off with by asking my guests what their favorite food is but you've already said that pizza is your favorite food Ugh, yeah <laughs> does it let me let me expand on that any particular type is it a, a, like a thick crust thin crust any particular type of toppings like what's what's the deal in terms of your real favorite type of pizza pepperoni and hamburger on a thick crust oh (laughs) (laughs) all right but a close second would be lobster i love lobster too but loaded with butter so i you know i can't do that so how to eat lobster without butter is that even eating i don't think it is that's not even human (laughs) <laughs> so, pepperoni, hamburg pizza, and lobster. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, fair enough. Okay, well, thanks so That's- much, Steve, for your time. And we Oof. certainly look forward to seeing how the team progresses And because I know that there's a lot of work being put into the build-up for the next games and just the cohesiveness of, of the team and, and how it's operating together. So, yeah, we'll look forward to, to seeing more from you. But I appreciate that. Yeah, we're, what, three years out, and we are mm. preparing now for Italy in 26. So a lot going into it. Yep. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to hearing of this. We'll talk again sometime. Steve makes an important point that not everyone can be a Paralympic athlete. However, involvement in sport for anyone with an impairment is really important for physical and mental well-being and you can still apply a lot of the principles just to that process. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have any recommendations for people you'd like to hear from, please leave a message on our website. And I hope you'll join us next time when we talk to Lindsay Zabrug, who is a women's wheelchair basketball player.